0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional. Hiking and hunting boot and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the Navigator series. Now they have the women's windrows, they have the men's windrows, and then they have the Atlas the Atlas series within that as well. So go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have. I've been using mine for a couple weeks now, and I am very impressed with the, the fit and the feel, and I can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run. So lacrossefootwear.com, check them out. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. All right, everybody. Sorry for the wait on this one. Uh, Really appreciate your guys' patience. I know a lot of you guys have been reaching out to me wanting to get this episode launched as soon as possible, but uh, I just got back into town. I just uh, got everything Sitchum awaited and... uh, This is the 2019 Archery Elk Recap Podcast, and uh, today we're going to be talking with my man Adam Parr out of Colorado. Uh, You might know him from the Transition Wild Podcast, but uh, we basically recap my week that I was in Colorado chasing elk. Um, I'd like to say screaming elk. I'd like to say the weather conditions were better, but there were no screaming elk, and the weather conditions, and the terrain was the same as last year, but the weather conditions were piss poor, and uh, that's what we talk about in this episode. Uh, We kind of BS a little bit about how difficult elk hunting can be. We talk a little bit about the statistics. We talk about the weather conditions, uh, elk patterns, and all this stuff and uh and how i suck at elk hunting so that's what today's episode is hopefully you guys uh enjoy it i know um i felt i did a a pretty good job putting an instagram story together for all of you guys to follow along with um and it was kind of the same theme every single day however uh this is the recap episode uh and I know a lot of you guys have been waiting for this, so here it is. Before we get into this uh, episode, though, I do want to say, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to our partners at Prime Archery, and uh, man, they make some really good bows, right? And um uh, last year I shot the Logic. This year I'm shooting the uh, the Logic CT3, which is a 33, uh, ac- 33 inch axle to axle. Man, I am a huge fan of their draw cycle and uh, their valleys, and just like the the lack or hardly any hand shock at all on these uh, on these bows. And uh, like I like I always say, in every product that I kind of do a commercial on is go test it out for yourself right um, everybody has different needs but I think that when it comes to a prime bows you guys will really be surprised by how well they perform and that's just from one hunt one bow hunter to another bow hunter right so uh, if you have a dealer around there or you got to drive an hour uh to go find a prime dealer i strongly recommend it because uh, i think you'll be happy with uh, you know the, the bows that you end up shooting or testing out from prime you can find more information primearchery.com and uh yeah so Go shoot, go test out a Prime for either this year, if you haven't uh, purchased a bow for this year yet, or if you're looking to purchase a new one, or, you know, you're already looking uh, for 2020, but uh, yeah, check out Prime. All right, we've uh, done a little bit of everything, so let's just get into today's episode. for most of this, but uh, I am... (laughs) Gonna, uh, I, don't know why la- I don't know why we're already laughing.
1: <laughs> I'll try to shoot from the hip as well. I'm uh, I'm a little bit sleep deprived, but yeah, I, I got you. I got a strong cup of coffee in front of me. I'm ready to rock.
0: Good, good deal. All right, so we're just gonna get it. Go ahead and get into it. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just I, I guess I'll kick it off by saying, Adam Parr, how the hell are you? <laughs>
1: I'm good, Dan. I just uh, just came off a week of you know spending some time with a really tall, sexy, 220-pound <laughs> bearded man, and uh, he only has nine figures. So
0: life is great. That's all I can say. I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I was 220. Add about add about 15 more pounds to that, man. You're not 220. I thought no. you were. I'm 215. Yeah, but. You you carry it really well. I, I don't carry it really well. I like, I'm that guy who has the t-shirts that are just tight in the right spots, like the shoulders and the chest. And then they kind of go straight down from there. And, uh, and you, you know, you got t- that
1: upper body strength.
0: Like I got, see, I got, like you're just, I got the dad. Like bod. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I got the dad bod.
1: No, man. When you came out, I was like, damn. Dan's been working out. I could tell you've been hitting the gym. You're
0: you're looking good. So I tried to. You're doing something right. I tried to. I tried to get ready for the uh, the the mountain. But as we both know, the mountain kind of always wins. If uh... it always
1: swallows you up. (laughs) up, (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. At least at least where we hunt. Yeah, for
0: sure. Absolutely. It's it's
1: not easy. Did you do a lot of Did you do a lot of training leading up to the to the hunt?
0: Yeah. So here's what I did. Um, Most of it was I, I. in June and July, I did a lot of running mixed with some um, weighted pack hikes. As I, The more I ran, the more I realized I have a bad hip, I got two bad knees, and I hate running, period. So yeah. I, I transitioned more to less running and way more weighted pack hikes. And I think at the end of the day, the weighted pack hikes just – are better for you overall when it comes to just an average Joe training for the mountains. So I put like 75 pounds on my back at, at my peak training, and I found the steepest hill that I could in the area, and I just walked up and down, up and down, up and down for like an hour, hour and a half. And it was boring, but it it simulated that... that point of exhaustion that you reach when you're in the mountains right
1: yeah uh, yeah 100 yeah it, and and I don't think people do that enough I mean everyone's pounding the gym whatever it's all yeah. great but there there really is no substitute for throwing that weighted pack on and, and climbing some hills, maybe even getting on the side of them. You're building the ankle support and oh, stability, yeah. uh, you know, taking some high steps like you're simulating, going over some logs. I mean, there's all that sorts of all those things that you can do to kind of help mimic what you're going to be getting into out in the West. And and uh, I feel you there. That's I, I, I'm in 100 percent agreement. Putting on a weighted pack is probably the best thing
0: you can do. And for I, sure. I really wish that I could somehow simulate. The lack of oxygen. There's gotta, I, you know, I I have one of those uh, masks that you put on, but that doesn't simulate low oxygen. All that simulates is it, it trains your lung muscles to take in heavier, like heavier breaths. Ah, okay. You, you know, so you, the, the, it like pres-
1: restricts the oxygen or restricts the airflow or something. Right. right? It makes
0: you yeah. breathe harder, which I, I can see in recovery. So, my recovery, I felt was good. Like when I when I would stop, I'd take some deep breaths and I would recover fairly quickly. But when you're going up a big incline, right? Um, and and you know where where I was hunting because I was hunting with you. Yeah. It was I? I mean, those inclines are pretty steep, and that's just to get to the spot where the elk are at. Yeah.
1: Yeah for sure. I know there there's, uh, unfortunately there's, there's nothing that can really prepare you for the, the 10,000, 11,000 feet. But, uh, yeah. it, after the first couple of days and you kind of get, get used to it, it's, it makes it a little, little easier, but like you said, going up those steep inclines, heavy pack, it's, uh, it even myself, I mean, I'm out of shape this year, but even last year it was, it was kicking my ass yeah. for sure.
0: And that's one thing that, um, it's, it's almost like th- last year, there was a there was a huge gap of like i would say 4 years between my very first elk hunt and last year's second elk hunt this year i was i knew exactly what i was getting into i i could mentally prepare for that you know the the physical mm-hmm. uh wear and tear that it took on your body and over it was fu- it was funny the last morning when i went on that hike with your with your brother uh, up to that one meadow way up there, uh, uh, above the, uh, Oh, the, the park that we, that yep. we, uh, parked at and my legs felt really good on the fifth day, but like the first day they felt really good. The second day, tired, third day, tired, fourth day, tired, <laughs> fifth day, they started to feel good again, but yeah. then it's time to leave. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's kind of that, it's kind of that circle. And I think you're going to get that no matter what no matter how much you train, just cause, I mean, it's hard to really simulate going eight to 10 miles in that type of environment. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you've got hours and hours to train every day. Uh, so the, yeah, I, I've, I've always been the same way the, after the first day, I feel good. And then the kind of that next three days, you just got to like force yourself to get out of bed <laughs> yeah. and get up to like, ah, I don't want to move. And then, and then by the end of the week, you're you're feeling good again yeah. so and i think on that roller coaster
0: yeah i think that's the best part uh about the being mentally prepared for this whole thing as well as cuz you knew it was coming every single yeah. day you knew you had to hike up and to get to where we needed to hunt and it's going to suck but yep. if you just accept that fact then it's I don't know. It's easier to accept it when you know it's coming, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. Fir- the first year or the very first elk hunt, I had no idea because it had been like ten years since I had been to uh, Colorado to go try to, to hike around in the mountains, and I didn't really physically exert myself like having a you know a twenty five thirty pound pack on, packed with food and water. You're in your full camo. You're carrying a bow. You know, I use a trekking pole and 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 climbing over deadfall is just the worst thing <laughs> ab- ever it's like you can go on a trail in colorado and hike to the top of a mountain but if you're if you're doing what we're doing and not hiking on any trail and coming over top of deadfall and all that stuff it just it it compounds it almost like you it, it's it's like your body the energy just gets sucked out of it much quicker it does. It does.
1: It's, it's the worst. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I wish there was a solution to that
0: as well. Deadfall. But, uh,
1: unfortunately where we hunt, there's, there's plenty of it. Right. I don't think it's going
0: away. <laughs> right. I was thinking I, I, when we were down in town, uh, one day or before, before I came up, me and my dad had to stop at a, uh, like this little, I guess, backpacking store, an outdoor store. And I saw they sold these little, air containers, these oxygen containers. And Yo. there was a little part of me that was like, man, I wonder if I should buy one of those and just hump it around. And that, you know, right when you're breathing so heavy, climbing up one of these steep inclines to take a huge puff off of it and see if it just kind of refresh, <laughs> you know, refreshes your body and gives you that much more power to, to keep up. Because I'm that guy who... I'm last in line every time. Uh, <laughs> like my buddy uh, Ryan and his buddy John, who who uh, I spent most of the time with this year, out there, they're some they're much smaller than me. I'd say they they weigh fifty pounds less than me. Uh, They're a little smaller framed, and they train you know they train much harder than me. They had the time to train much harder than me, and I was there's this time just like last year where I was like man i I feel like I'm slowing them down, but at the same time i've I make it, so I oh, make yeah. it that's great, but man, I wish I was you know five five ten hundred and seventy pounds <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: like you said, every train needs a caboose right uh, that's
0: right that's right.
1: <laughs> yeah no i've uh I've actually considered trying out one of those oxygen bottles like you said just to kind of see if it actually makes a difference mm-hmm. but if it does, I've all I've thought about it in the scenario of, man, I got to get up to that bull who's a thousand foot above me and he's screaming. Uh, how do I get up there as fast as possible? And I'm yeah. just wondering if if one of those cans might just give you the extra boost to to really hump your ass up there really quickly right. and uh, not be dead by the time you get to the top. Right. So I've I've thought about it as well. I've, if I do try it, I'll let you know
0: how it how it does. Right. Right. Because that might be a staple in in, in future years, right? Um, mm-hmm. to try to I don't know get that it's almost like a, it's almost like oxygen, when you're that high, I'm sure, would almost be like a shot of crystal meth. Right. I mean, you just Whoa, I feel good. You just now you're like spritting up the mountain. What did Dan
1: bring in his pack? Jesus,
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Dan's over there in the
1: corner by himself. We can't see what he's doing. <laughs> now he's all cracked up.
0: Man, he just literally ran up the top of this mountain. <laughs> he's no longer the caboose. And now he's, he's leading this train. His heart exploded. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, before we uh, this is going to be a recap of uh, the, the elk hunt, the elk trip that I went on, uh, you were involved with it a little bit. Um, you had some other, uh, priorities this year with, I uh, with your new son yep. and, yep. uh, I know it probably like, it wasn't planned to have your son be born in late August, <laughs> but I got to hold him and I got to, uh, um, and I got to, you know, meet him for the first time and I could see in your face that you were happy. So let me just say, congratulations on the new addition. And it should only be really one year of having to take it easy during elk season. And, uh, you know, from now on, uh, you're gonna, you should be able to get back up in the mountain, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks brother. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah i got the i got the free pass this year and i didn't even actually buy an archery tag this year just because how crazy things have been and and uh you know obviously i've got a a different priority during the season probably probably not the best timing as you alluded to dan but (laughs) it'll be cool in 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 the future years when he starts hunting we'll be able to kind of celebrate elk season uh you know around his birthday which will be Really, really cool, but um, yeah, I got a few days to hunt with you guys and and get there on the mountain, and that was was really fun, and we'll see what the rest of the season brings.
0: Right, right. Now, you got your new son, but... You're also getting ready to get married uh, to a lady who already has two kids and you took out Dom the Bomb. I gave him that nickname. (laughs) Dominique. Um, So he's like basically uh, your stepson. And I want you because I wasn't there when this whole encounter went down, but you guys ran into some elk one night. Why don't you walk us through what happened and talk a little bit about your stepson's reaction to being that close to some elk?
1: Oh yeah, it was, it was so cool uh, to get him on elk, and, and also my brother, who had never elk hunted before. Um, they were both with me, and and uh let's see, I got up there on Sunday, uh, so I, I literally only had like a day and a half to hunt, so we got up there Sunday afternoon, hit it Sunday, and didn't really see anything at all, came back uh, out the next morning. Uh, this is monday and didn't see anything that morning, but I knew it was the se- september 9th I've always had <laughs> <The> <laughs> I was talking it up. I was talking it up to dan ryan everybody. I was like the ninth the ninth is the day It's it's uh, i've always had good luck on that day and Uh, that's the day I killed my bull. I missed a bull in 2017 on that day I didn't hunt it last year So I didn't really know what to expect, but I was like man, it's the ninth. We got to be out there so, um so we hunted the morning didn't see anything and we decided to go back to this meadow where i killed my bull three years ago and i was like it's the ninth anything could happen let's just go try it out so phil and dominic we uh kind of hiked up the meadow this was kind of an evening hunt we'd kind of taken the afternoon off to regroup and Went in there, I think we got to the back of the meadow about 5 o'clock, and, and there's this little part, it's almost like a, um, an upper part to the meadow. It's a lot smaller, and it's kind of more secluded, but it's surrounded by just dark timber, and north-facing dark timber, and they just bed on that. There's some benches up top, and I just know bulls like to bed in there. So our our kind of plan was just to get to this meadow, and just sit and call, and just hopefully... Maybe something will come in, and and uh, so that was kind of the game plan. So we're walking back, and there's kind of this little swale hole. It's like a little – there's like a little seep drainage creek running through with some some low kind of swampy stuff. And, I, and I'm walking up, and all of a sudden I see this cow uh, elk stand up, and I'm like, holy shit, um, they're here. And uh, so she kind of stood up. She heard something, didn't really know what was going on, and uh, she kind of just – walks away it wasn't running just kind of kind of walks off and then all of a sudden we see uh, a little four by four bull stand up and uh, a little spike bull in velvet stand up so we're like whoa wow this is the and and phil and dominic were just like so jacked at that point we were they were probably like 80 yards away they weren't in bow range and um you know couldn't obviously couldn't get a shot or anything so uh, but they were, they were just so jacked right there. And, and, and so we, we tried to set up on them, try to, I, I kind of snuck up and saw that they were still standing out in that meadow. So we kind of backed down and I was going to see if maybe if we could call them in, maybe they thought it was another cow or something. Um, but the wind was swirling so bad at that point. Cause it was early on in the evening and the thermals were starting to switch that I think they just got, they got boogered up and then just moved off. So, um, so that was really cool. I was like, wow, that, that made the night right there. And um, so, so we, we decided to kind of keep working around, and, and we end up getting to a spot in this back corner of the upper part of the meadow. And it's a, we're just going to sit there and call the rest of the night. That was the whole, the whole strategy, um, not try to pound the mountain, just, just wait them out. And uh, a lot of times if they're not bugling, not talking, that's what I like to do. So um, we set up, had Phil on one side of me dominic on the other and we were just sitting tight three together just like we were sitting in a ground blind or something and uh sitting there and i'm throwing out some cow calls throughout the evening nothing's happening nothing's happening about the last 10 minutes of light all of a sudden phil looks over and about 15 yards away on the other side of this spruce tree we were sitting by he just sees white antlers and he says something to me and i'm like holy shit there's a bull and uh so all of a sudden bull comes out and uh, he's at like literally 20 yards broadside, just kind of feeding past us at a at a decent walk, and all of a sudden I was like, "Hold on, Phil, don't draw, don't draw." Uh, there's another bull behind him, so now there's two bulls, and then then there's three bulls. <laughs> so literally three six by sixes walked out. Oh my God! Right in front of us, single file line. Uh, and I we're like, "Is this?" Is this real life? This, is, this doesn't. <laughs> this doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I'm trying to coach Phil and Dom. Dom was just—he was so jacked and so excited that I don't think he could have drew his bow. I mean, that's—he <laughs> didn't end up drawing his his bow because I don't. I, I think he was just so uh, so worked up and and caught in the moment. But uh, Phil ended up getting this bow drawn back, but it was so quiet. The wind there was there was no wind. It was non-existent and uh so when he drew even though the bulls were kind of past us quartering away walking away that last bull picked us off or picked phil off when he was when he was drawn heard the movement and then saw the movement um so that that bull bolted before he'd get a pin on him and then the other two kind of ran off and i stopped him with a cow call they kind of hung up at like 50 and uh phil just didn't feel comfortable with the shot and you know kind of kind of that was the night but man it was it was so cool that to see five bulls in a matter of just a few hours, yeah. uh, was, was pretty amazing by not only for public land, but for, I mean, shoot a private outfitter hunt, you know, that's a, that would be a really good day on a, on a really well-managed ranch in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, so it was just really cool to see, you know, I'm not hunting, I'm just strictly guiding them and, you know, showing them the ropes and, and it was just so cool to see how, jacked up they were I mean the emotion was just was just there and and that that made my season right there just to see and and experience
0: that with them it was really cool yeah and I I just kind of listening to uh your brother explain like uh (laughs) you you know your brother this is a first-time encounter for him that he's had uh an elk within shooting range uh, on his very first year it sounds like uh Dominic, uh, kind of the same type of thing, but it sounds to me like, like, okay. So number one, it's cool that his mom let him skip school on Monday to go elk hunting. Cool mom. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. uh, but it sounds to me like he wanted to skip the whole week of school <laughs> once he had that encounter.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, we're, we're, we're already planning some hunts for the afternoons this week after he gets out of school. So he's, needless to say he's he's hooked for life That's for awesome. sure and awesome. uh hopefully we'll be able to skip maybe a maybe another day here for the rest of the season we'll see we'll yeah. see how
0: cool mom is yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah my son's got diarrhea again he can't make it in elk <laughs> fever elk yep. fever yeah. yeah um so one thing that you've kind of talked to me about um uh, and this is my second year up there um It's, it's that you've, you feel that the elk are never really in the same place two days in a row. Why don't you, and, and this is the year that I, I really felt, I really felt that, um, why don't you explain to, to everybody what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, really, you know, at at the end of the day, it's, you know, for people that are used to hunting whitetails, I mean, um, you know, we've all had that experience where we're out hunting a couple of days in a row and you see maybe the same buck walk by or you get consistent trail camera pictures of a of an elk or a, a deer um, on camera using the same area. For elk, they're herd animals and, um, you know, if they're in one spot one day, they could be two miles over in the next, uh, you know, three drainages over uh, by the next. They just, they're species of kind of going where the 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 grass is um so they might be in an area for a day or two and and eat that up and they're gonna move to a a greener pasture so to speak and 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 when you start getting into more of the rut and getting closer to to, to prime time it's even more so um so like if i hunt a if i hunt a drainage or hunt a spot like I probably will only hunt that for like a day and then I'll go try out a different spot. Um, even if I am getting into elk there, sometimes uh, like I said, if if you pressure them or, or something happens they're they're not going to be back for a couple of days. So that's, that's really the basis of it. They're, they're, they're constantly on the move and um, you know, one elk might be way over here one day and he might be in your area the next. You just never know. So you got to stay mobile. That's the key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So with that said, uh, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of walk through kind of what went down uh, with me and Ryan and a couple days days uh, that I hunted with your brother. Um, first, first off, I really feel sorry for Matt, uh, a guy that came <laughs> into town, uh, gets off the plane, goes, buys his tag, uh, comes up to the mountain. Uh, first hunt, the very first day of his very first hunt uh, up there, he rolls his ankle and can barely walk. So oh, yeah, he just spent, you know, a, a non-resident archery tag is 600 and some bucks. And then he was reduced to having to stay close to the cabin and could only do a limited amount of hiking just because his ankle was hurting him so bad. And it's, so, oh yeah, that what, what, uh, I don't know that, that just would suck.
1: That sucks. I've been, I've been in that same scenario too. Like the, I, not on the first day, but on the second day, I've, roll my ankle and it just, it puts you down, man. It, it uh, it's tough. Cause you want to get out there and you want to hike, but yeah. you do have to take a few days off or, or do something. And, and his was bad enough that, I mean, he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been walking at all. And he right. was, and I think that kind of, <laughs> I think that kind of, you know, did him in maybe a little bit further. So,
0: yeah.
1: uh, but yeah, that's, that's always tough, always tough. That sucks for Matt
0: for sure. And, and I'll tell you what, kind of going on, on back to the terrain, this is not like walking to your tree stand. Uh, no, out yeah. you know, out in the east. We, we're talking I, I just want to kind of walk everybody through the first three days of the route we took just to get to the spot where we could start calling. So we're leaving, we're leaving the cabin and we're walking. This is all on public. Uh, we're walking through basically a deadfall maze. It's, it's roughly flat. But sometimes you're having to do some side hilling, right? You go down a little bit, side hill to get to this creek, right? So this maze of deadfall that you're you're um navigating in low light conditions. Uh we waited a little bit later this year than we did from previous years, uh last year to get the you know, to get uh a little bit more light to navigate it, get to the creek, and now you're walking on loose rocks the size of baseballs so you never really get a firm plant of your foot you know you, you put yeah. pressure on that foot it's sliding left or right your ankles rolling kind of left and right and it doesn't matter how tight your boots are you your your ankles moving and you're kind of you're the one mo- having to adjust to the way the rocks are laid out yeah. Uh, and that just that's tough to walk in because <laughs> in the back of your head you're you're always questioning where your feet are going, right? And you're taking it slow and you don't want to roll your ankle especially after what happened to Matt. You know, you're you're just thinking like, "Oh man, I I don't want to roll my ankle. Got to go slow." And then you get to you get you're in that for basically 45 minutes right it takes about 20 20 minutes to get to the creek another 30 minutes to get uh to the point where you get out of the creek and then then you got to go straight up for another i don't know 100 i'd say 200 yards uh basically to get out of the you know get to the yeah that drainage yeah the the drainage then you can start calling but then you're still in all this additional deadfall until you get to the meadows so yeah and ryan he has one of those fancy watches that allows you like him to calculate how many calories you burn based off your heart rate and all this stuff so we're burning probably close to 700 calories in that first that first hike of the day isn't that crazy? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's wild. That's that, wild. And and in that and to, to that extent this year with, with the heavier snowfall, there's more runoff coming off the mountain still. Yeah. So that creek was uh there was more water in it. So right. uh it was tougher to kinda cause you're constantly having to jump back across the creek oh, yeah. to find your line, you know, which is the diciest part, I think, because you're dealing with slippery rocks. And then when you add rain like we had in a few days, it, it
0: was uh it was really slow going up that creek this year. Right, exactly. And like you said, when it gets wet, it's almost like there's a slime yeah, on on is. the rocks. Yep. And it, it's it can freak you out if you're not ready for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've I've hurt myself twice in that creek, uh, <laughs> so it's it's easy to do.
0: You got to yep. be careful. Yep. It's funny you I I uh, you know you don't wear shorts while you're up there, and then uh, obviously you come off the mountain and it's warm enough to where you wear shorts, and you just look at all the bruises <laughs> on your legs because those pine trees fall down, they stack on top of each other, uh, and the branches don't they break off, but about 12 inches to eight inches off the tree, they break off. So it's yep. just like these giant spikes ramming into <laughs> your legs the, the entire week. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always fun. Yeah. So, so we did, that's basically every day you're walking in something like that to get to your, uh, to get to your, your, the, the spot where you can start calling. Now, what the first day that we went out, which was Sunday morning, we get up to this meadow and we we start calling a little bit nothing. We move up just a little bit more. And sure enough, there's a bugle. And Hell yeah. the first thing that that me and Ryan kind of talked about was let's go right to this bugle. Just kind of mm-hmm. like what happened last year, right? You hear a bugle. You don't have really have time to mess around. You just go and you continue to call your way in. And it's so thick that it allows you to get close. Well, we came to these two benches, right? So there was this flat bottom. It goes up pretty steep and then it flattens out again. And we were below where this bull was bugling and chuckling. So we work our way in. We, uh, Me, Ryan, and John, we spread out, I'd say, over... Uh, Ryan kind of sat back behind John a little bit, and I flanked to the right. And uh, just because I felt the terrain, if he was going to come down, it was going to come down towards me, right in between uh, me and John, and that's where the shot was going to take place. So he's bugling, he's chuckling, he's responding, and finally I see him. And he's probably at about 80 80 yards but he's straight uphill and he's you know there's nothing there's no shot and I'm not going to take an 80 yard shot in this this thick timber but I can see him and it is the biggest bull that I've ever seen out there but (laughs) nice but he's almost unapproachable
1: yeah be um so that's that's how they get that big man And, and just elk in general it's just crazy how they can use The terrain to their advantage and uh, the move through that in a way that it just like you said it makes it damn near impossible to to get in on them for for a bow range shot
0: right it's crazy the the path of least through of the path of least resistance for us and the path of least resistance for an elk means two completely (laughs) different things right exactly They're, they're stepping over this deadfall like they're 12 foot tall right yeah it's crazy how how they can they can move through this but so we we see them and this bull's kind of just pacing back and forth he's he's mad that we're in his comfort zone um there's another bull you know we're bugling and we're doing some soft cow calling and it's working he's getting fired up but he never decides to come down right Mm, yeah and so You know, we kind, he kind of scoots off and I think what was happening and eventually we find this out, we confirm it later, but he had some cows with him. Ah, And so we, we all kind of regroup and we're hiking up the mountain and we, we look up and there's another bull. I don't think it was the same bull, but I look up the, up this, it's almost like, uh, a meadow that just goes vertical almost like an an old avalanche chute. yeah there's some small pine trees in it but you can see kind of see into it and there there's one so and the wind was still somewhat consistent at this point it was still coming down still coming downhill. down Yep, still yep. coming down downhill and so we decided to shoot over to this next drainage or this next little uh, shoot that paralleled it, and we're like, okay, let's go up, let's set up, let's call, and maybe we can cut him off, right? Yeah. Well, we tried that; it didn't work, right? So we go up. We have a little. We have a little break. We have you know some food, uh, some coffee, and whatnot, and then we hike back down. We go over to this mountain and this is where the shit gets crazy you know there's no more bugles at at this point and we watch as when we get up to our final spot we watch these three cows kind of filter out uh, of the drainage next to us and oh man hopefully well let's go let's go so maybe we can make a, a move on this bull if he decides to come out well we never did see him Uh, The other two bulls, either they shot out as we were climbing up and we never saw them or they they went they stayed at that elevation and just went the opposite way from us. Mm, Yeah. And so we, we were we eat a little lunch. We back down. We go up another part. We start doing some cow calling and, you know. It starts to rain a little bit. We're like, okay, this is perfect, right? So what, what I've experienced from last year is the sun comes out, the thermal switch, and then in the afternoon at some point, or, or you know, late morning, early afternoon, there's typically a short rainstorm. It gets cloudy, and last year, that trigger, triggered some bugling. Yeah, yeah. This year, it did not, and this is where it starts to get crazy, like the wind and the thermals. So that whole that whole week I felt like there was uh that whole slope of the mountain is a north facing slope, right? Yeah. And I feel like the primary wind direction at times was coming from the north in in some way shape or form. So what now, so what you have now is you have the wind fighting the the primary wind direction fighting the thermals and they just clash. Right. So I don't know if it was a cottonwood tree seed or some uh, piece of fuzz from a different, but it was like some plant seed and we're sitting there, we're calling and I'm watching this seed (laughs) just float in the air. It goes all the way down the mountain and we're like, okay, cool. Okay, cool. But then it hits this intersection where those other two shoots kind of meet up with the main, the main drainage and it gets sucked right up to where the elk were going. So I I look (laughs) at the other guys, I go, these elk aren't coming this way. They, they've been smelling us for the last hour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it just, and to be honest with you, that is the story of the entire rest of the trip. We we tried to come out and, and we tried to make moves on, on these elk where we felt they were betting, but like, so you, you got the combination of elk are never in the same place two days in a row, plus the fact that you probably blew them out, and and so now, now you're chasing them, right? You, you don't know where they're at. They're silent. Yeah. You'd start chasing them, and it's just... Those that combination right there with the wind, it, it's never good from my experience.
1: Yeah, it makes it it makes it so tough. I mean, <clears throat> more elk are uh, saved by the wind than than anything else in the in the thermals. And like you said, it this year it just seemed like it was a little bit more inconsistent. Um, you know, some of these fronts would come in, and and it's being a week later than last year when we were hunting. Um, I think there's just kind of a, a mix of kind of the the transition from more the the later season weather coming off of the summer you know hot streak we've had so I think some of that has to do with it as well but um yeah it's it's just it's just so tough and then and then when you throw in they're not talking as much and it just seemed like this past week they just the the rut still hadn't really kicked in uh you know obviously you guys had some bugling early on but for the most part it just seemed like it was pretty Pretty non-existent rut, uh, especially from what we saw with. I mean, three six by sixes walk single file line right. together. They're in a bachelor group. I mean, that that tells me that it just it just wasn't there yet. You know, they weren't right. fired up yet. So right. Uh,
0: so you got silent elk. It's it's almost like and and I don't know. You know, I'm not a. I'm I am not ai do not have enough experience to sit here and talk about. Uh, you know what I think elk do. You know, I can sit here and talk about whitetails, what they do on, you know, I'm not a huge moon phase guy. Like, you know, some people are, oh, the moon controls everything, you know, this and that. But I do think that we were out there on a really bright moon, right? Full moon was this past Friday and it was that we had a moon coming up every night. And I think in some way, shape or form that hurt us with the swirling winds And the fact that the elk were silent and it was a little warmer than last year. Last year. Yeah, definitely was. I feel like all those odds were against us. Yet we still went out. We still climbed up the mountain every single day. And, um, you know, to the point where the, let's see, it was, I'm trying to think of what day it was. Um, I think Ryan left on Wednesday. Thursday morning, I went out and I was gonna hike up to this uh, little drainage with the you know with these wallows that were in it. you know we walked by there on Tuesday, walked by these wallows. We had some rain. I felt you know, hey, that probably washed out. There wasn't a ton of fresh sign, but there was still some sign in there and my goal was to get up while the thermals are still blowing downhill. That I can get up to this meadow and glass up into it to see, you know, maybe there's something crossing. Maybe throw out a couple bugles. Really like a a cooler temperature that morning. But with with that primary wind direction hitting those thermals, it was 7 o'clock in the morning. And the wind was already blowing uphill. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And on a, a, what was it, last year? It was almost like, it was almost like clockwork, 10 o'clock. In the afternoon, yeah, in the morning, it, was. it just sorts up, whoop, and it switched <laughs> just like that. And then you know, you knew that okay, if we're going to chase this bull who's higher than us, we need to be up there by, you know, we need to be up there by ten o'clock. So when that switches, we're now we now have the advantage coming into yeah. these these bedding areas, and that didn't happen. It felt I felt like every time a cloud came and block the sunlight, the thermal switched and it was just yeah. back and forth and back and forth and swirling winds. And it, I get up there and I'm just like, it's not even worth me hiking and spending that energy to get up there because the wind is not consistent at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes it, it makes it really tough. Like I said, the, the wind is everything. If you don't have it, it, it can be very, very <laughs> uh, frustrating for sure. Um, and I think that, that bull that, you know, you guys obviously had some action with some bugling uh, on that one ball, uh, and I think I think the big difference there was, yeah, that he did have cows because last year when when I took you and Ryan uh, out on that first day and and we we called in that one bull that Ryan had the shot on uh, that, you know, he came in solo and, and we were mimicking that we, we were a bull that had cows. And, and I think that's, that can make a huge difference because that bull's not going to come down and try to find you out when he's got cows there. I mean, he's not gonna, he's not going to go a hundred yards away and to, to, to try to, you know, figure out what's going on when, when he's already got a few ladies with him. So I think that that's a big, big difference uh, in that scenario from, from last year to to this year. So, you know, it's just tough, man. You just never, never know. Right. Never know.
0: I, I do think I would have done something a little bit different though on that, that encounter. I feel like one of us should have went quiet. They still continued to call and someone should have just, kind of flanked that elk's position while we mm, still had yeah. some sort of consistent wind. And as they're calling, it's, it's got his attention over there and someone maybe just backdoors him a little bit and then maybe throws out a south, soft cow call or something to get his attention to work him back. So now we're on the same elevation, we're on the same level as him and we're not calling up at him
1: yeah yeah that makes sense yeah and those bulls are smart you know yeah. i mean they've they've they played that game many a times and if he's a mature bull uh that ain't his first rodeo no. i mean they 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 want to to a certain point yeah they want to be able to see something like if if there is a bull down there there is a cow down there they want that that visual um as well so it could have been you know he was calling you guys were calling enough and you know, he was at a certain point where he maybe expected to see something by then. And yeah. if he doesn't, you know, he's, he's out of there. So yeah. it could be that scenario too.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It, it's just one of those things where the terrain, the, and, and he definitely had the advantage because the third day that we went up into this area, or the second day, we decided to walk through where this elk was at just to get an idea and the lay of the land. And he had two exit routes, you know, so we thought, we thought, oh my God, this is perfect scenario because it cliffs out on this bench, right? Mm, Yeah. It gets to this point and then it goes straight up. Nothing can, nothing can go up it uh, unless you're like a mountain goat. But he did have two real small exits to the left and to the right of that bench that, we were, that he was on. So he knew if a threat came from either, either direction, and he had, an, he had an exit strategy. And that's why that bull was there. That's why he felt comfortable. He could see down below. He could smell anything coming up. And he didn't need to worry about anything coming down on him. Uh, but if something came from the left and right, he had an exit to the left or right. So, yeah, um, yeah. it's one of those places that, you know, you just kind of store in your onyx and you're like, well, let's go check this, you know, next time we're here, let's go check it out.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a really, really good point to mention is that, you know, I don't think people do this enough that figure out why that, why was that bull there? And, and, and why was he using that area? And, and I can't tell you how many times I've learned I've learned a lot more from the mistakes I've made and the the encounters I've blown, the the shots I've missed, um, you know, where things went South and I, and I've, and I've learned a lot more because like what you just did, you go up there and you figure out, okay, he was here and this is why he was here and this is why he was using this to his advantage. And that's how you learn, you know, obviously, you know that spot really well now, but for the future, You kind of know and and you learn from that because you went and and saw where he was and and now you can kind of put the puzzles puzzle pieces together and 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 do that like when I shot that bull three years ago that I couldn't find um, it really sucked uh, for sure but seeing how following the blood trail and seeing him bed in this one spot it's like oh man there's a little bench right here this is this is an awesome bedding spot he's got every advantage here this is this is why he's there and then he goes over to a you know a different drainage and he he went to this spot because it's just nasty downfall and 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 benchy and they love that so like getting able being able to pick apart those scenarios of what actually happened is invaluable and it's only going to help you in the future. So that's, that's a really good thing that you did there, Dan, is to to pick that apart for sure.
0: And I think that just kind of goes with the territory of hunting in general, right? Just being, just being observant and say, even, even when I'm hunting whitetails, why is this buck living here? Why is he traveling through here on this wind? Why does, you know, why does he feed here? Whatever. Yep. You take, you take that information from any hunt, And it's just going to help you get better in the long run.
1: 100%. So you're a master of elk hunting. Uh, You're like a sensei in the making, Dan. Right, right,
0: right, right. We were having this talk. We were having this talk. um, And I asked, uh, I asked some people. I don't feel like I should be allowed to wear an elk hunting (laughs) shirt yet. Because I haven't, I've been elk hunting, but I've never killed an elk. And I think. Part of being an elk hunter is, you know, or a, a hunter is being able to kill or harvest an animal. And I haven't done that yet with elk. So I feel like I don't deserve to wear an elk hunting t-shirt yet.
1: <laughs> I know. we, uh, You did bring that up. I feel that you are an elk hunter. You just have not killed one yet. Right. But- I mean, you just haven't got the opportunity the, uh, I mean, my buddy Connor, I mean, he's lived in Colorado for three years. Uh, he's hunted his ass off the last two years, previous seasons, didn't get an elk, um, you know, went out this year and, and he just shot a bull a week ago and that was his first elk And and he's a resident. He's out there doing it mm-hmm. every, you know, weekend. Uh, you know, sometimes throughout the week, takes a week off each year and it's just, it's just not easy. I haven't killed a bull in the last three years either. Um, you know, two years or whatever. It's just... It's crazy. Uh it's so difficult. So Dan, you are an elk hunter. Don't <laughs> let anybody tell you differently. Where that elk season shirt I want that uh I want that free marketing from from you. So <laughs> Absolutely. But no, that's uh it's it, it, and and even up, uh, with any elk hunting is is amazing. It's it's the experience too. Right. But where we hunt is uh it's truly amazing country yeah. and just being able to be out there see what you get to see look over those peaks it's just it's god's country it really is yeah
0: and that's one thing like y- you you you're getting frustrated cuz you're you're walking through this deadfall at like a i don't know 30% incline whatever i don't even know what it what it is but it's steep you're having to use your hands uh, while you're holding the bow and like, it's just It's physically demanding terrain, but once you get to the top and you're able to see some of these views, it is really worth it. And yeah, it's almost to the point where, you know, you're there to elk hunt, but at the same time, you are also there to like, like for the experience and the views just really make it, uh, like kind of make up for the, the shitty elk hunting. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: For sure. And and like I said, the elk were there this year. It just seems like they're just, for whatever reason, they weren't in the rut yet. I mean, we had more trail camera pictures this year than we had in years past. Um, you know, seeing those five bulls in that one meadow just in one evening hunt tells me that there's elk in the area. It's just, yeah. man, they were not they were not uh, as vocal as last year. And, you know. Right who knows the second half of the season could just be could be lights out and you know we get we're, we're getting some cold, cooler weather here this week for sure so maybe that'll get them moving
0: never yeah. know and that's one thing like i've i've only been elk hunting in uh two places one in Idaho and one in Colorado where uh, you kind of showed me the ropes there but i don't know what terrain is like in other in other states, in other areas. But I, I'm i just guessing, and this might be a bold statement, but I would put the terrain and the elevation that e- these elk are living at and, and living in up against, from a difficulty to hunt standpoint and a difficulty to, like, just for a human to be in, up against any other scenario in the United States, as far yeah. as just the physical, the physically, I mean, Ryan and John, they got a, they got a crack at a bull, uh, the first or second day that they were there. And let's see, last year we were hunting, uh, somewhere around that 11,000, uh, feet mark, give or take this yeah. year, those elk were 600 feet a higher on average. They said they were, and yeah they were way up there so not not only are you having to hike a long way in you're also having to you know the the elevation is just it works against you and the terrain's working against you that i i don't know anything about you know where other people hunt but i would have to say that this is this would be a really physically demanding hunt compared to anywhere else in the in the u.s
1: yeah yeah it definitely uh it definitely is. There's a lot of, a lot of factors working against you, which is why those elk are there. Yeah. Uh, for sure. It's just, it's just tough to get to them. And like you said, they were up a lot higher this year. Uh, in, in, unless you're way, way up, you really don't get a lot of opportunity to just sit there and glass. Right. You know, like I watched some of these, some of these hunt videos or, you know, you get a state like Wyoming or Idaho or or just different areas in general, and you can get up and you can glass, you know, five, six, seven drainages, or almost have a three sixty view if you get on the right knob and and just okay, they're they're over here today, or oh, they're over here. In this scenario, you really you really cannot do that, and uh, it's just not easy. Pair that with the elevation, it's and, and steep country, it's it's rugged. The only the only other spot, like I've heard, like Eastern Washington, and right. And in Oregon, like those states, because it's not necessarily because the elevation or the steepness of the terrain, it's just like a rainforest, right? Like, right. You, like a 10 yard shot is a long yeah. shot. So like that can be tough, but adding up all the scenarios of, of where we hunt, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. <laughs> that's why the success rate so low for sure. Right.
0: And that's one thing like I was thinking about my gear and how it performed. And I'm I'm going to be having another uh, podcast about that on the nine finger chronicles or excuse me on the hunting gear podcast. But Mm -hmm. it's almost like, why did I even take my binoculars this year? Because number one, I'm not looking for a specific elk. I'm, I'm looking to shoot an elk. Yeah. Any legal uh, bull. And it's almost like those binoculars when I'm in the timber, they don't do me any good. I so yeah (laughs) I I think about just the weight and how much I'm carrying uh I don't know if next year if I if I come back and hunt that same area if I would even bring my binoculars in
1: yeah I uh I'm in a similar boat it's like I bring them but I really don't use them a ton I really just kind of use them if I think I see an elk just to verify if there's one standing out there and then if it's a certain scenario where it's Um, you know, they're far off and you can see them for whatever reason. I just want to see if they're a legal bull, you know, that's, that's really all. But for, like you said, for the most part, you're really not using them a whole lot just because of how this land lays out and how thick it is. It's tough.
0: And I know that the, the success rate for the unit that we hunted was like 11%. Yeah. Is
1: that
0: with, is that overall or is that with just archery equipment?
1: that's archery, but that's factoring. It doesn't take into consideration private versus public, gotcha. you know, it's just strictly, um, you know, that's the, the flat success. I mean, right. I, based on that, that percentage, I mean, you and I or anybody else, uh, I mean, that's basically one kill every 10, 10 times, you know, 10 years. Right. I mean, that's, that's just the average. I mean, right. I, I don't think people realize how, how tough it is and that, and that shouldn't deter you in any way i mean this stuff happens all the time and you know if you hunt hard you can you can definitely increase the odds but i mean you look at some of these guys that spend um you know i think like adam greentree last year following him i mean he hunted an entire freaking month in idaho or wherever an entire month every day and finally killed a bull like the last couple days of his hunt I mean, yeah. for the average person getting one week to go out, or even a resident that maybe can only hunt the weekends, it's not easy, and it really does take a lot of time to yeah. to, to, to get it done, yeah. and
0: uh, it's and, hard. And that's And that's one thing that I was talking with some of the other guys about, is like, okay, this year we went a week later compared to last year. I would have chose last year's weather over this year's weather, and because it was cooler the whole time last year and mm-hmm. this time frame, because I would have thought we would have been hearing way more bugles based off of just how close it was to the rut, you know, kind of like that, a pre-rut type of deal. Yep. And it just, it didn't pan out. And, you know, we're sitting here talking and we're like, how do you even know what week, you know, you can follow the weather in the Valley, but you can't follow the weather up in the mountains because the mountains, the weather in the mountains are different from what's going on in the Valley. And it's almost like you're just guessing at, at at when to come throughout the elk season. Right. Obviously they're the rut is the rut they're going to breed. But by that time you're three weeks into September and you could be getting a shit ton of snow potentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be really hot, like it was last year. I mean, the the first week of September, when we hunted last year, was hands down the best week for weather uh, the entire month of September. Right. And we just we got lucky, and uh, and they were talking and they were bugling this year. Um, not the case, and it and it's just a roll of the dice. You never yeah. you never really know. Um. So that's that. May, uh, that's also another big factor. Makes it yeah. tough.
0: So, you know, not taking, you know, not saying that, that this was a complete waste of time because I really enjoyed it. It's physically demanding. It, it you you have to prove something to yourself if you come on a hunt like this, especially where where we were in the terrain that we hunted in. But we got to see I got to see some other cool uh things. My buddy John, he had a, a small game license. He shot a a grouse, which was cool. Um we I saw two different bear dens i didn't see any bear but saw two different bear dens uh that had been dug out so that's kind of cool yeah and um you know again the views and just something you know something completely different than what i'm used to out here in iowa and uh it's again regardless of the of the, the success rates. It's something that I'll, I'm going to be doing again, but it does make me think a little bit more into when I should come and whether or not the terrain that we're hunting is worth my time. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, it's definitely not easy where we're at. And you know, it's, (laughs) we got a lot of guys to come back year after year and, and and they haven't killed anything either. They just, but they love it. And yeah. they've had the, they've had opportunities or close calls. It's just, it's, it's not easy for sure. And uh, you know, there, there are definitely, you know, I, I even myself, I'm, I'm, st- I'm looking at different areas where I can get into that might be a little bit easier access, might be some overlooked, you know, BLM parcels at at lower elevation, um, you know, and really starting to get more in tune with some different areas just because. You know, I I myself in different states, you know, I want to I myself want to kind of experience different terrain and different um, climates and different uh, scenarios altogether. So I'm starting to look different, different opportunities as well. And and just tried to get more experience and 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 learn different things about different areas. So
0: that's kind of where I'm going towards. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, really not not too much to say. Another, another cool thing about this trip was that my dad, uh, I kind of said, Hey man, I'm going to be going. I didn't know what was happening as far as driving, who was driving, who was flying when everybody was kind of coming out. So I talked to my dad and he ended up driving out with me and it was really cool. My dad, my dad doesn't hunt, but he played camp cook for a couple days. days yeah. and it was, it was just awesome to spend time with him in the yeah. car uh, up there and something that uh, he'd he'd never experienced um, but at the same time he peeled away for a couple of days and he went to Mesa Verde and he looked at the the cliff dwellings he went to um, Arches National Park in Moab uh, in Utah and then he came back to Montrose and um, and then he got to uh, in between. Where we were at in Iowa, he stopped and we had breakfast in North Platte, Nebraska, uh, with one of his um, high school buddies, and yep. it was just it, it was something cool that I got to experience with him, and uh, it and he paid for gas the whole way too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perk. That is. Come on, Dad, jump in with me. Come I, on, just I, come on out. Yeah, <laughs> I offered. I offered. I'm like, hey, man, I, I can pay for some gas, and. Uh, He's like, no, just buy me some beer, and uh, <laughs> so I paid for beer a couple he's, nights. But. He's a
1: good dad. Yeah, it was great to meet him as well, and and that's the other thing, just the camaraderie of oh yeah, being out there with other people and and getting to share those experiences with 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 other people that they're friends and family. It's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure.
0: So it's just one of those things where last year, right? Um, okay, so when we're in the mountains, right? we're just consuming as many calories as we possibly can trying to just have enough energy because you know, like we're, we're burning 700 calories just to get up to the elk. So here we are, we're just like stuffing our face, stuffing our face, you know, eating until you're full and uncomfortable just so you can have the calories there to burn (laughs) that next day or later on in the day or whatever. So last year I ended up, I ended up, uh, not, changing my diet after I got off of the mountain and continued to eat all those (laughs) calories for like two or three months. And I gained some weight uh, and I, my activity level went down. So this year, I'm really going to try to continue, um, uh, continue my, my activity level leading up to my South Dakota hunt that's coming in a couple in three weeks. Right. And, you know, and hopefully I don't like pull the ripcord this year and have to like train super hard. I just continue to train throughout the uh rest of the year and, and stay somewhat fit for elk season all year round.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes it so much easier the next year when you don't show up to the mountain, like a total pile of, of <laughs> lard, like I did, uh, this, this last, <laughs> this last week, I was hurting so bad. It's, uh, it, it's pathetic how, uh, out of shape I am, but will hey, do I that still to you. St- still got out there and hiked around and I can, anybody can grind it out for at least a couple of days. Right. That's right, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, you got, you got other hunts coming up. So that South Dakota hunt, that's going to be really, really cool. And, and, um, Obviously that gives you a little little extra motivation there to to keep keep pounding the miles and 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 doing the weighted pack walks cuz yeah. uh, I'm sure that's not going to be an easy game either. No, so that'll be no. cool.
0: It'll be at uh about 7,000 8,000 less feet of elevation. So I'm feeling really good about that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure so how, yeah. how much how much time do you think this the rest of this year you think you're gonna be able to get out uh to do some elk hunting and if you do is that kinda gonna be dedicated to dom
1: yeah the the archery season i'm gonna be hundred percent focused on trying to get him a bull and or a cow you know whatever's legal so uh so yeah we're gonna that's that's what my archery season's gonna entail and uh I need to figure out what the, the rest of the season is going to look like. Uh, maybe a second or third season rifle tag. And uh, and I, I do have a cow tag um, for, for late season as well, which is rifle. But I'm kind of half tempted if I'm going to use that tag. I'm kind of half tempted to, to bring the bow and, and maybe make it a little bit more challenging uh, or, you know, try try my go with that. Cause I, I do need some some bow hunting in my life. I I can't just do a whole season with rifle. So <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta have that. So I'm I'm thinking about that. We'll cool, see. Man.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well if uh whoever's listening right now hasn't listened to Adam's uh transition wild podcast i strongly suggest you do it especially if you are an eastern hunter looking to go west he provides a lot of good information about elk hunting and and he has some conversations with some guys who really do know what they're talking about as far as uh you know the western hunting game so give uh, the transition wild podcast a listen and adam good luck the the rest of the season hopefully you can put dom on something uh something for his first uh, elk
1: yeah hell yeah man well it's great great chatting with you dan it's awesome seeing you last week and look forward to, to many more hunts in the future
0: and there you have it that's the elk recap for 2019 i came home empty handed but i i will tell you that i did learn a lot again um elk behavior right i mean if if you go hunting and you don't take anything away from that particular hunt or uh, a day or learning from failure i think you're really missing the boat so the key again is to be as observant as possible and then use your own brain to make judgment calls and put the pieces of the puzzle together and i think you know when you can learn to do that you'll just become a better overall hunter now huge shout out to you for taking time out of your day to download huge shout out to adam for taking time out of his day i know he's got a little one at home uh that he's been uh kind of taking care of so huge shout out to him for making uh, room for this podcast and if you haven't already go check out the transition wild podcast really good information uh there with everything that uh that he's doing i got a little one myself trying to get into this so i'm going to keep it shut uh Fairly short. Huge shout out to Vortex, to Prime, to Ozonix, to Wasp, the Ripcord, uh, Lone Wolf, Portable Tree Stands. Thanks to those companies because they keep the lights on uh, you know relatively speaking here uh, please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast if you haven't already please subscribe to this podcast whether it's through the Nine Finger Chronicles or through the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail Podcast um, you know download, subscribe you know leave, uh, leave some reviews let me know what you think if you have any questions or you want to see me cover something on a particular podcast you know, hit me up on DM through Instagram or Facebook, and uh, we can chit chat about what you're looking for. If you have an awesome story to tell, or you feel that uh, you know you might have some information to share with someone that might help them out, whether it's deer hunting, whether it's elk hunting, whether it's any type of hunting, uh, I I love hearing other people's points of view and how they have failed and how they have then you know found success uh, out of that failure. And I think. The principles of that can help anybody right so uh if you have an awesome story to tell hit me up and uh man i tell you what whitetail season is here in some states uh like wisconsin i think they just had their opening their opening day uh, a lot of us are getting into the tree stands a lot of us are are getting into the forests whatever uh whether you're a spot and stock hunter whether you're a tree stand hunter we got to be safe and remember that there's always somebody to come home to um and if you're going to be in a tree man wear your damn safety harness we'll talk to you later this week